Amen. I want you to notice in uh, starting in verse one, it mentions when they escaped. Then uh, they knew that the island was called Melita. Acts chapter twenty-eight. And the barbarous people showed us no little kindness, for they kindled a fire and received us, everyone, because of the present rain and because of the cold. And when Paul had gathered a bundle of sticks and laid them on the fire, there came a viper out of the heat and fastened on his hand. All right, now we're all scared of snakes. It's something that God has put in us. That's not a pleasant experience right now, okay? Now, understand, y'all, we know the story. We know what happens. Paul shakes it off. You know, it doesn't hurt him, okay? But if I may just kind of, you know, illustrate some things tonight and just kind of, I want to show some principles that we see here in the Bible tonight that I hope will be a help. It's kind of a theme that we see, and I might read in between the lines a little bit here. I'm going to point out some things that I think was going on in Paul's head. I think I've got some scripture to back it up, but we can't really know for sure. But notice, you know, he gets bit by a poisonous snake. Now, that's not pleasant. That's not something that any of us want to happen to us. Paul gets bit by this poisonous snake after, you know, a shipwreck, after being in the storm for days, so he could be going, taken on trial for a bunch of false accusations that the Jews threw at him. I mean, Paul is going through one thing after another. And then what happens after he goes through all this? He gets bit by a poisonous snake. And he'll say, well, it's no big deal because he didn't die. But, you know, how did he know he wasn't going to die? And the truth is, I'm going to show you how he didn't know he was going to, how he knew he wasn't going to die. But, man, he just, I, I just, I love picturing that. Here he is, he's gathering up, and he gets bit by a snake. And he just shakes it off into the fire. It fastens on his hand. And in verse 4, when the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, no doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth him not to live. This guy sound, these guys sound like Baptists right here. They should have said the Baptist, oh, look, a bad thing happened to him. He must not be right with God. Right? And you know what? Jews were like that too. I guess people are just like that. And I get sick of Baptists acting like that. Every time a bad thing happens to somebody, they must not be right with God. They've been listening to too much Robert Tilton, you know, these prosperity preachers, that if you're right with God, you know, money's just going to be pouring in and all these wonderful things are going to be happening. And that's a bunch of garbage. That's another message for another day. But it says in verse 5, He shook off the beast into the fire and felt no harm. Howbeit, they looked when he should have swollen or fallen down suddenly... But after they had looked a great while and saw no harm come to him, they changed their minds and said that he was a god. Okay, so right here, you know, great story. And Paul, you know, we don't notice him do anything. I mean, he didn't, you know, he didn't stop and pray. You know, I got bit by a snake. What am I going to do? He shakes it off like, like it's nothing. Like it's just a minor annoyance. He shakes it off. Into the fire. And I like how he did that too. You know, he shakes it off in the fire. I'll take care of that snake. But you know, look what it says. And if we go one chapter before you say, well, how did, how did Paul know that he wasn't going to die? How did Paul know that he didn't even need to pray? Okay. Now, I don't, I can't tell you for sure what was going through Paul's head. But if you go back in chapter 27, if you remember, he's on that ship. Everybody thinks they're going to die. But it says in uh, chapter 27, verse 24, God's talking to him, and he says, or verse 23, an angel of God was talking to him. He says, There stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve, saying, Fear not, Paul, 
Thou must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God hath given thee all them that sail with thee. So you see why Paul couldn't have died. Do you understand when the Word of God says something's going to happen, it's going to happen, you can't change it. Okay, and he gets, a, he gets a message from the angel of the Lord saying, you're going to stand before Caesar. So guess what? Paul gets bit by a poisonous snake. He should die, but I can't die. I haven't been before Caesar yet. I mean, you know, the Apostle Paul, I mean, I don't think we ought to go tempting the Lord like that, but you know, he's got to feel invincible at this point because nothing can happen to him because God has said, you're going to stand before Caesar. And that's just the way it is with the Word of God. We should have that much confidence in it. If God says something's going to happen, then it's got to happen. And He said, you're going to stand before Caesar. So here He doesn't get bit by a snake, but you know what? i got things to do. I'm going to be seeing Caesar. He shakes it off in the fire. He moves on. He doesn't worry about it. He, doesn't, he didn't stop. He didn't fall on his knees and say, Lord, you told me that i got to stand before Caesar. How could you let this happen? He, he didn't even give it a thought. He shakes it off in the fire and he continues doing what he's doing. And I'm going to show you there's other, some other place in the Bible where I think we, uh, we see that principle. I'll learn to just shake things off. You know, to just shake it off. And we're going to see some other examples where we're talking about shaking things off in the Bible. And there's some principles there that I want us to get. Because you know what? If you're going to get involved in the Christian life, you're going to get involved in the fight, you're going to have some attacks come your way. You're going to have some snake bites come your way. You're going to have things come your way that should hurt you, that should cause you pain. But you know what? I believe if we will just have faith, we can just learn to shake these things off and just keep on moving, keep going forward. And that's the title of the message tonight. Just shake it off and keep going forward. Just keep moving. Keep doing what you're supposed to do. You know, we just, I believe we had a great victory yesterday with all those souls we got saved. What do you think the devil's going to do about that? Just sit around and let us enjoy and rejoice in the fact that many were saved? And no, he's not going to do that. You know what he's going to do? He's going to try to punch us in the gut. And what are we going to do when he punches us in the gut? You know what we need to do? We just need to act like it didn't happen. We just need to keep on moving forward. Ignore, but it hurt. Ignore it. Ignore the pain. Just act like it didn't happen and do what you're supposed to. That's what we've got to do. We've got to learn to shake off criticism. Okay? Criticism is all it takes to take some people down. And criticism, it can hurt, can it? If you let it stay, if you chew on it, if you think about it. You know, think about the Apostle Paul. You know, if, if he would have gotten bitten by that snake and started screaming and, you know, and, you know panicking and, and showing everybody, you know, look at what happened after all I've done. God has allowed this snake to bite me too. And if he would have went and focused on that snake and what had just happened, I believe it would have been a problem. But Paul had more important things to do than worry about a snake bite. Paul had more important things to do than to die of a snake bite. And so what does he do? He just acts like it didn't happen. He, you know what he did? He ignored it. He just shook it off. You know, when you shake something off, okay, it's not the same as like taking it off and setting it aside somewhere. When you shake something off, you're, you're, not, you're not paying attention to it. You know? It's kind of like a, a, a cat. Alright? You ever stuck a piece of tape on the back foot of a cat? All right, that's funny. All right, and you know they do. They take a few steps. They shake that back foot. You know, they just want to get rid of it. Whatever they can do to get rid of it. Uh, I don't think that's abuse. I think I'm okay confessing that. But that that that's funny. Uh, I've done that many times, and and that's what we need to do. All right, when the devil tries to get you know put stuff on us to you know derail us, I'm getting I'm getting that middle picture of the cat in my head. Man, I'll, I'll, the Italian's got it coming tonight. But anyway, um, you know. 
we've got to do it. We've just got to shake it off. Just act like it's not there. We've got to learn to shake off physical difficulties. Okay? Now, listen, I, I know some of this is easy for me to say. I'm young, you know, healthy and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, we've got to learn to just forget about the fact that we're tired. We've got to forget about the fact that we're dealing with some pain sometimes. And we just got to do what we're supposed to do. We've got to do the things that we know are God's will. I'm not saying you can't ever take care of yourself. I'm not saying you can't ever take a, a break or sit down. I'm not telling you to go soul winning until your leg falls off or anything like that. But when we know something is God's will, we just we do it anyway, despite what we're feeling. You know, I was determined yesterday, even if we were going to get rained on, and even if you know it was cold and rainy and all that, I was like, I'm going soul winning. I mean, this is. The Sony Mega Marathon, nothing is stopping me from going out and knocking some doors. You know, and thank God, you know, we didn't have much to stop us. But yet, at the same time, we just, I, I, sometimes there's some things we know it's God's will. I know this is what God wants me to do today. And so I'm going to do it. You know, but, but this is going on. But that's, so what? You know, shake it off, ignore it, act like it's not there, do what you know you're supposed to do. We've got to learn how to shake off hard times. And just, you know, not spend so much time maybe staring at our bank account balance, you know, not, you know, and do the things we know that we're supposed to do. And, you know, forget about the, the difficulties that are coming. Yeah, and we could we could all talk about all the things we're going through, but we just got to ignore them sometimes. Paul could have done that. Paul could have crawled up there, you know, on that island and just been, you know, singing about his, you know, all his woes and things he was going through. And then he really could have had a big titty party after he goes through all that. He gets bit by a snake. But he didn't do that. He knew that God had a plan for him. He knew it was God's will for him to go and stand before Caesar. Therefore, nothing's going to stop that. Nothing's going to stop him from doing that. And while I'm sure it was, it was you know, getting bit by a snake, it says he felt no harm. You know, it was, it was, I believe part of that was just because, you know, when it, I, I, this is just my opinion. I think if he would have looked at it and started freaking out, I personally think it would have hurt. And I'll show you another example of something in the Bible. I'm, I'm talking opinion right now. But I, I just think he had that kind of faith. And I'm also, I also think that was just the way he kind of lived. We know he lived with a thorn in the flesh that was a pain. That, that was something that made things hard for him. But he just learned how to focus on the grace of God. And he just got so good at it when he got bit by a snake, he didn't even notice it. He was too busy doing what he needed to do for God. And he, did, he, just, he shook it off. And, you know, we often tell, we, we tell, maybe we tell our kids to do that. Or somebody when they're playing in sports, I've seen that before, I've seen parents do that. When, you know, their kid gets hurt or something, you know, like, hey, shake it off. You know, but the guy kicked me in the face, you know, just, you know, shake it off. What are they saying? You know, don't let that stop you. Don't worry about the pain you're in right now. You're in a game right now. Go play that game. You know, go keep on fighting. It's, it's our way of saying, you know, just keep on going. Don't quit. Shake it off. You know, I've seen it before too. You know, the ref maybe does a bad call. You know, and the players are all frustrated and getting angry. And Hey, I've heard parents with that too. Shake it off. Or I've heard the coaches. Hey, shake it off. Get over the fact that a bad call was made. The game's not over. you got something to do. Now go out there and do what you know you're supposed to do right now. Don't be worrying about the ref. Don't worry about the fact that he messed up. Don't worry about the fact that life's not fair. You've got something to do. And uh, it's, it's another way of just saying, forget about it. Move on, move forward. And I believe personally, you know, have you ever wondered why did God tell them to shake the dust of their feet off whenever they would go somewhere and they wouldn't be received? God would tell them to shake the dust of their feet off. You ever thought about why? 
why shake the dust of your feet off? Okay? Now, this is personally what I think. This is just my opinion. I mean, I, I think there's probably some symbolic things too. But uh, turn over to Matthew chapter 10 and verse 12. Let's go ahead and read that passage. I'm going to tell you why I think God told him to shake the dust of your feet off. I was showing Brother Clive my uh, photo album from my trip to Israel. And this is something I learned because of my, my trip to Israel. Uh, they didn't tell me this. There was just something that happened to me when I was there. And uh, not real happy right now. I'm getting made fun of quite a bit. I posted a picture of me when I was at the Garden Tomb. And uh, everybody's making fun of my appearance. They're making fun of my, my favorite shirt uh, from back then. And I've been getting called a lot of things uh, by some of y'all in here. And I uh, expect apology after service. But um, Matthew chapter 10, verse 12 says, When you come into a house, salute it. And if the house be worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it be not worthy, let your peace return to you. And whosoever shall not receive you, nor hear your words when you depart out of, out of that house or city, shake off the dust of your feet. Verily I say unto you, it shall be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for that city. Now, what was I saying? When people say shake it off, it's their way of saying, hey, forget about it. Keep on going. And I believe when God told them to shake the dust of their feet off, He was telling them to forget about it and move on. Why is that? Well, I remember when I went to Israel, I had, these, I had this pair of shoes too that were, they were like my favorite shoes. I, to this day, I can't find another pair of shoes like that. They're probably too nerdy now too. You know? But uh, I, I love these shoes. I had these shoes for years. I don't know what happened. My wife probably threw them out after we got married. Uh, but I remember... When I came back from Israel, those are the shoes I wore pretty much everywhere we went out there. And I got back home, and after you know, after I got back home, and I went to go wear them one day, and I looked at them, and they were covered with dust. You know, walked a lot of dusty roads out there, and I remember looking at my shoes, and I was like, "This is dust from Israel." You know, <laughs> this is dust from you know all the way over on the other side of the world. This is. Dust that could have been dust on the feet of Jesus at one time, you know, <laughs> and and you know I didn't want to, I never cleaned those shoes off. I, I never cleaned them. Eventually, the dust all fell off it by itself. But they were they were really dirty, and I remember I was going to wear them to church, and I remember thinking you know I should probably clean these things off. But I was like, no, I hope somebody asked me why my shirt my shoes are dirty, and I'm going to tell them that's dust from Israel. <laughs> I, remember, I remember I remember thinking that, and you know what that so that dust. It reminded me of Israel. And when Jesus is telling them to shake the dust of your feet, He's telling them to forget about it. You know what? Don't have any reminders of that place with you. Don't, don't give it another thought. And you know what? That's what we need to do. When we go out soul winning and we have people that just refuse us or cuss us out and chew us out, it's real easy for us to just take that personal. And we've been... Have you ever been there and you get chewed out? Somebody just really gives it to you? And we, you just... Uh, let's, we, let's call it a day. Hey, that's how you feel. But you know what you need to do? You need to shake the dust of your feet off. In other words, forget about that guy. Forget about what that person said. You know what? Move on to the next house. Go on to the next place. Don't focus on that. Don't dwell on that. Don't have yourself a pity party. Forget about it and move on. And I believe that's what Jesus was saying when He said, shake the dust of your feet off. He's just don't forget them. And don't even leave yourself any reminders of those people. And that's the attitude that we need to have when it comes to the bad things that come our way. 
You know, let's not sit around talking about them all the time. You know how many people are sitting you know, or, or don't go to church today? And I, I've been there before. I'll, go, I'll be out sewing. I'll invite people to church and they want to tell me a story about something that happened at their church and why they quit going to church 20 years ago. Hey, move on. Shake it off. You know, they want to show you their scars. You know, they want to show you the dust that's on their shoes. You know, they want to tell you. They want to bring up all these things that happen. You know, you just need to forget about it. You know, occasionally, I get nasty emails from people. I don't save them. I delete them. And I move on. You know, I've had those... I, I have that stuff. I just... I'm not, I'm not going to dwell on it. I'm not going to save a scrapbook, you know, of nasty letters or hateful emails. And, uh, you know... I'm going, to, I'm going to move on. I'm going to move forward. You know, you just got to shake it off. I've been there before. I've had the phone calls. I've had the, I've had the rebukes. And I've, had, I've gotten chewed out by people big time that I completely respected. That, and, I, and I do. I think that they were wrong. And it hurt. But you know what? Sometimes you just got to, you got to shake it off. And you just got to move on and do the right thing. And there are some things in life we need to, we need to shake off versus lay aside. Okay? We're not, you know, we're, when you shake, once again, when you shake something off, you're not paying attention to it. You don't even need to look at it. Okay? When you lay something aside, you gotta take the time to take it and look at it and place it somewhere. And you know where it's, and you know, you're usually gonna remember where it's at. We don't need to know where those things are. We need to forget about them and we, let's shake them off versus lay them aside. When you shake something off, you're not paying attention. You're not looking at where it lands. You don't focus on it. You don't stop what you're doing for a second. You just shake off the annoyance like it didn't happen. You know, that's what we had a couple times yesterday where we were out when we were out knocking doors. We had a couple idiots that you know were mildly rude and stuff, and you know, we just moved on. Didn't even talk about it. You know, we didn't we didn't discuss it. I mean, I've been there before. I'm not always like that. There's been times I'm like, you know, wait till that person gets theirs. You know, one of these days. They're going to remember this face. They're going to remember the guy that tried to give them the gospel. You know, I've done that before. That's not the best way to do it. That's not, that's not the best attitude. But our goal as Christians, it should not be to avoid being burned, but to not, to let, to not let the fire distract us. Turn over to uh, Daniel chapter 3. Let me show you something here in Daniel chapter 3. I think we see something here kind of similar to what happened with Paul. And, I, and if you don't mind, I might share a little bit of opinion uh, in this. But look what it says in verse 21. Says talking about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. says, Then these men were bound in their coats, their hosen, and their hats, and their other garments, and were cast into the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. Why did it mention everything they were wearing? Notice how it mentions everything that they were wearing. It mentions how they were cast in the furnace. And it says, uh, Therefore the king's commandment was urgent and the furnace exceeding hot. The flame of the fire slew those men that took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So it mentions the fact that the guys who just threw them in were killed by the fire. That's how big it was. So we know this isn't some little fire. Okay, This should have killed them. And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego fell down bound in the midst of the burning, fiery furnace. They lost. They lost. You know they prayed they wouldn't have to go into that fiery furnace, but God didn't answer their prayer, did He? God failed and let them get thrown in the fiery furnace. Okay? Now don't look at me funny. Forget you know the story. You think they knew for sure that they were going to go into that fiery furnace and be able to walk? 
Alright? If it was me, I'm going to be praying, Lord, don't let me get thrown in the fiery furnace. Lord, don't let me face the flames. I don't want to face those flames. That's going to hurt. That would have been my prayer. But you know what? God didn't answer that prayer. He let them get thrown into the fiery furnace. And bound. Notice that. But of course, you all know the rest of the story. So says, Then Nebuchadnezzar the king was astonished and rose up in haste and spake and said unto his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound in the midst of the fire? They answered and said uh, unto the king, True, O king. He answered and said, Lo, I see four men loose walking in the midst of the fire, and they have no hurt, and the form of the fourth is like the Son of God. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the mouth of the burning fiery furnace and spake and said, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ye servants of the Most High God, come forth and come hither. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came forth of the midst of the fire. And the princes and governors and captains of the king's counselors being gathered together saw these men upon whose bodies the fire had no power, nor was an hair of their head singed, neither were their coats changed, nor the smell of the fire passed on them. And note mentions their clothes again. You couldn't tell these guys had been through a fire. You couldn't tell that they had been in the furnace. They didn't even smell like it. And you know what? I personally believe that the reason for that is because of the fact that... I, and I, I'm assuming here, but I, just, I personally think when they were getting ready to get thrown in that fire, I think as they were going in there, I think they saw Jesus in there. And you know what? I think when they saw Him standing in there, something tells me when they were in that furnace, the Bible doesn't tell us, I think they were talking with Jesus. I think they were very focused on Jesus. I think they're having some fellowship with Jesus. But you know, I, in my opinion, I think if one of them would have been in there and just freaking out and crying, why, are we, you know, why did you let us get thrown into the furnace? I think he probably would have burned up. But you know what? He didn't do that. He focused on Jesus Christ. And we need to realize that He has promised that He's always going to be with us. He's not going to leave us nor forsake us. And how about when we go through fiery trials, instead of focusing on the fire, why don't we focus on the fact that Jesus Christ is with us? Why don't we focus on the fact that you know that we're in God's will in our life and not pay attention to what's surrounding us and just keep our focus on Him? And if we would do that, maybe if it be God's will, He will lead us through that fire and we can go through that trial like nothing happened. And you know, I thank God for some of the people I've known in my life and some people I know now that I'll, I'll watch them face battles and fight difficulties and go through stuff that I'm like, man, if I went through that, I'd be done for. If I went through that, I would be burned. I would be scarred. But you see these people, they go and they face these things and they, they walk through it like, like it's nothing. Where did that come from? You know what it was? If you ask them, they'll... They always give God the glory for getting them through that hard time. You know, yeah, but you don't even smell like you've been through a trial. You know, you don't even look like you've faced anything. You know why? It's because they stayed close to Jesus the whole time. They kept their focus on Him the whole time. They, you, you know, yeah. Did you go through a hard time? Yes. Did you get bit by the snake? Yes. Well, what did it do? Nothing. I shook it off and I kept doing what I was supposed to do. You know, yeah, but doesn't that kind of thing hurt? You know, it, it's like they, and they don't even want to talk about it, too. And let me tell you something. The really good Christians who go through the difficult times and come out not smelling like it, you, know, you, don't, you don't see them talking about it all the time. You don't hear them always talking about their hard times. You don't always hear them talking about their critics. I know some people that make a living talking about the hard times that they went through. And, and 
on one hand, that's fine. They do it in a good way, in an uplifting way. They give you their testimony. That's fine. I'm not criticizing that. But then you got some people, though, that they're like still a victim. You know, and there's a big difference, all right? I'm not, there's some people I know. There's guys like John Bishop that's out there. That, that guy has gone through so much physically, if you know who he is. But, man, the guy just has a great spirit. And he tells these things not to get a pity party, but to encourage other people that are going through hard times. I'm 100% for that. But I know some people that are just crybabies, and they haven't even been through that much. And I... And, you can't hear them preach a sermon without telling their little sob story. You know, and they cry through it every single time in all the exact same spots. You know, they have all the same dramatic things. And it's like, I'm starting to wonder about the sincerity of this, you know. But maybe they are. Maybe it's joyful crying because they know the big love offering they're going to get, you know, because they get it every time they tell that story. But, uh, you know, I, th that kind of thing bothers me. And there is a huge difference. <laughs> there, there is a huge difference. But these guys, it was, it, it, was, it was nothing. And some of the people I've known too who've gone through very difficult times, who have faced real trials, I mean, you have to try to get them to talk about it. They're just, they're, and, and then when they do talk about it, you know, it's, it's like nothing. You know, it, it's no big deal. Hey, yeah, that happened a long time ago. Let me tell you about, you know, what's happened, you know, what God's done recently. They, they don't want to talk about it. That's not how they are. You know, they're not drawing attention to what happened. You know, and we don't see the Apostle Paul doing that. Most of us, we got bit by a snake like that. We're going to hold it up for everybody to see. We're going to point our boo-boo to everybody and ask everybody to kiss it and be crying about it. That's how we are about it. Paul didn't do that. He just goes on his merry way like nothing happened. And notice how everyone noticed what had happened. Look what it says in, in verse 4 of Acts chapter 28. Let me go back there so I can... Uh, get this right. It says in verse 4, it says, When the barbarians saw the venomous beast hang on his hand, they said among themselves, No doubt this man is a murderer, whom though he hath escaped the sea, yet vengeance suffereth him not to live. Okay? Everybody saw what had happened, and then the Baptists or the barbarians, you know, they, you know, that's what you need to do. Next time somebody points that out, when you're going through a hard time and they try to figure out what's wrong with you, like Job's friends, you know, just call them a barbarian. You know, call them Bildad the shoe height or something like that. Uh, that kind of thing makes me sick. All right? And uh, I might preach a whole message just to vote on that, just ripping on these ding-dongs out there that, that do that. When any time a preacher's going through a hard time, it's because he's not right with God. If the, if the preacher's not on their side, if he's on their side... You know, the devil's fighting it. You know, the double standard, I just want to slap. I, I like to slap those people in the face, but I just don't know which side to slap because they're two-faced, you know. And it's, it, it makes me sick. But they, so they, they know what happened, but they all jumped to the wrong conclusion. The, the disciples did the same thing too. In John chapter 9, verse 1, it says, And as Jesus passed by, He saw a man that was blind from his birth. And His disciples asked Him, saying, Master, who did sin? The man or his parents, and he was born blind. Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. This just proves that the Robert Tiltons were around even back in those days. You know, they, they, those guys have always been around. And most people think when something bad happens to somebody that it's because they did something wrong. And the truth is, I think the way, the way that we're supposed to shine, the way that we have a good testimony is not by trying to impress everybody with how blessed we are. 
Okay? It's not being like these big hams on Twitter that's always, you know, wanting to tweet pictures of, you know, their massive love offerings or all these fancy gifts they got, you know, showing their fancy car and, you know, isn't God good? You know, and preachers do that all the time. Whenever a preacher starts, you know, tweeting all of his fancy things he has, you know, he always makes sure he praises God and gives God the glory, you know, but the real thing message he's trying to get is just, man, I must be a great servant because look how much I'm being blessed. And where in the Bible do we see that that's how we measure anything? Okay, now, and it does. It works great in the Twitter world, and people fall for it, and everybody wants to emulate these guys, and they want to be like these guys, hoping they will get all the possessions. But where do we see that in the Bible? That is not how we measure things. If we're going to go off that, if we're going to go off riches, you know, then we all should be trying to be like the Kardashians or, you know, Donald Trump or, you know, some of these, you know, rich and famous people. They're, they've got more than any of these preachers do. But they do. They'll flash their gold cufflinks around, making it like they're these great, wonderful people. But the truth is, what shows whether we're a real Christian, what shows whether we really are close to God, it's not when we just have this great life where we're just, I mean, just bringing in the blessings and everybody can see it. No, it's when we face difficulties and we act like nothing happened. That was what got the barbarians' attention. They, they ended up thinking he was a god because of the fact he got bit by a snake and it didn't do anything to him. And that's the difference between, you know, that's how we can actually be a light whenever we go through hard times because you know what? It rains on the just and on the unjust. Christians get sick. Lost people get sick. Christians make money. Lost people make money. You know, Christians you know, lose all their money. Lost people lose all their money. We all go through the same things, but what shows whether we're different or not is how we respond to that. Can we be happy when we're poor? Can we be happy when we don't have any money? Can we be happy when we're not healthy? When we're going through a hard time? Can we have joy in the face of adversity? That's what shows a difference right there. And that's what made the difference with Paul. The Apostle Paul was a man of God, but if he would have just fallen down dead like any other ordinary he wouldn't have impressed those guys. But you know what he didn't? He just acted like it didn't happen. He didn't make a show. Didn't make a show about it. And so, you know, and the Bible doesn't. It doesn't. You know, just the Bible doesn't tell us what Paul did after that. Because notice how they thought he was a god. But turn over to Acts chapter fourteen. I think it's pretty safe to say. I don't even think the Bible needed to mention that. I'm sure Paul corrected that. Okay. Unlike you know, Doctor Pompous on Twitter that has all these people wanting to be him and wanting to bow at his feet because of his nice car he has and because of his fancy suit and all that kind of stuff and his expensive ties he wears. You know, unlike that guy who tries to, you know, make everybody be him, you know, the Apostle Paul, I think he corrected these people. and was like, oh, sorry guys, I'm no God. And part of the reason I think that is because remember in Acts chapter 14, verse 11, it says, When the people saw what Paul had done, they lifted up their voices and said in the speech of Lyconia, The gods are come down to us in the likeness of men. And they called Barnabas Jupiter and Paul Mercury because he was the chief speaker. Then the priest of Jupiter, which was before their city, brought oxen, garlands under the gates, and would have done sacrifice with the people, which when the apostles Barnabas and Paul heard of, they rent their clothes and ran among the people, crying out and saying, Sirs, 
Why do you do these things? We also are men of like passions with you and preach unto you that you should turn from these vanities unto the living God. Paul didn't let him then accuse him of being a God and I don't think he did with these barbarians. He probably looked at him. I'm reading between the lines and said, you guys think I'm a God? First of all, look at how I'm dressed. I'm a prisoner. I've been a prisoner for a long time. I'm on my way to Caesar to go stand in trial. Okay, if I was a God, you think I'd have had a shipwreck? You know, come on, guys. Just wake up a little bit. Just think a little bit here. I'm no God. And then I probably told him about his God. Uh, that's why I'm, sh I'm sure that's exactly what he did. And that's what we need to do when we go through hard times and we act like nothing happened. That's not, we don't do that so we can be impressive and we can tell everybody how tough we are. We can tell everybody how much faith we had. You know what? That's our opportunity to point people to Christ. That's how we can actually be a light to the world. We're not going to be a light by just finding a way, or by, you know, and I, some people too, it's like they try to make themselves look more blessed than they are. You know, it's like, because you know, I got to look successful. I got to impress people in the social media world so they'll take me serious. And so they do. It's like they, you know, they make themselves, you know, look more rich they are. They try to act like they're high rollers or something like that. And it's like, you know, that is, that's not what we need to do. You know, if, if the people of Liberty Baptist Church were the richest people in town with the nicest cars and the best houses, you know, especially if we went from being what we are to that, everybody would want to come to this church. But they're going to want to come for the wrong reasons, aren't they? And truth is, you know, we're trying to spread the gospel. We're trying to show people that they're sinners in need of a Savior. And we have a better chance of doing that if we actually go through some adversity. If we actually go through some fiery furnaces. If we actually face some snake bites. And you know what? God's going to let those things happen to us. Those things need to happen to us. We need to go through some hard times. We need to face some difficulties so we can actually have an opportunity to shine. But unfortunately, many people miss out because when they do get bit by the snake, they don't shake it off and keep going. They focus on the snake. They start crying out why. They get sidetracked. They start questioning the will of God. And Paul, Paul didn't do that. Paul knew he was going to be, go before Caesar. So he was, he was going to be fine. You know, I would have at least, you know, if, if, I like to think I would at least had enough faith to know I'm not going to die from this. But what's to say they don't take me there on a stretcher, you know, from sickness? You know, but Paul, did, Paul didn't even do that. It, and it didn't, it didn't even hurt him. And, you know, he didn't do what anyone would expect him to do. They expect him to fall over dead. They expect him to scream in pain or something like that. And, you know, we shouldn't be so predictable. How about we not do exactly what the world would do? The world's going to cry if they get bit by a snake. They're going to fall over dead if they get bit by a snake. We don't need to do that. We don't need, we don't need to act that way. When we go through hard times, why don't we still be joyful? When something bad happens to us, when somebody does something that would make a normal person cuss them out, how about we don't cuss them out? And how about we have a good attitude about it? And how about we just you know, bless them that curse us? That's what we ought to do. We shouldn't react to things the way the world reacts. First Peter 4, you know, he talks about, you know, don't act like some strange thing happened to you. You know, rejoice when those hard times come your way. Uh, let's, let's read that verse. First Peter 4.12 says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trials, which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. It's not strange for God's people to go through hard times. It's not strange for God's people to get cast into a fiery furnace. 
It's not strange for God's people to get snake bit and to be shipwrecked and to go to prison. Those things are not strange. And he said, but rejoice in as much as ye are partakers of Christ's sufferings. I don't like the idea of suffering, but yeah, but guess who you're partaking with? You're doing with Jesus Christ. That's good company right there. We ought to be honored. We ought to feel privileged if that happens. That when His glory shall be revealed, okay, when His glory shall be revealed, we're all trying to figure out how we can get glory. Pastor Trendy, he's not going to preach the hard stuff. He's not going to preach the truth because he's afraid he's going to get criticism from the community and he's not, he's not going to be respected anymore. He's not going to get asked to preach at the prayer breakfast with the local preachers and get asked to pray you know, at the city hall meetings and things like that. He's, not going, to, he's going to lose his place of honor. He wants to get his glory right now. But he's telling them to be partakers of it because when his glory, Jesus' glory, the one that we're trying to glorify is revealed... Ye may be glad also with exceeding joy. That's when we will get our joy when His glory is revealed. Not right now. We might have to go through some times where we are despised. Where we suffer shame. And we ought to be able to do it. Jesus did that. He took the spitting when He was on the cross. He took the taunts from the crowd. He took all that stuff for us. We ought to be able to take it too. We ought to be able to take a negative newspaper article, a negative news media story. You know, some people can't even handle a negative tweet. I've seen people before. I mean, they do uh, they do a little tweet on on Twitter, and they get start getting criticism from the world, or even just wimpy liberal preachers. And they're like deleting everything, and they like go into hiding for the next week. I've seen it on Facebook before. Somebody does something, they try to stand, you know, they try to stand for something, they get a little bit of criticism, people start coming after them, and man, they do. They, they delete it and they go into hiding. Literally. Makes me sick how, how these people are. You know what? If that's what you believe, put it out there and leave it out there. And then stand up for it. But they can't handle it. And then they do. They think because they got chewed out on Twitter that they're being persecuted for the cause of Christ. And then they'll shut everything down. They'll, you know, pastors, they'll get a little bit of criticism. Somebody sends them a nasty email. And what do they do? They password protect their sermons. You know, what a, what a pansy. You know what? Shake it off and get over it. And then they don't just shake it off. They go to their whole church. Oh, folks, church is under attack today. Been receiving persecution from, you know, the devil's coming after us. I had somebody call me out. You know, for preaching heresy, you know. <laughs> it's like, you know, you deserved it. But they, 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 they can't take it. They just can't handle anything. And they'll focus on it. They go tell all their preacher buddies about it. And they all have a big, you know, you know, prayer session, more like a crying session. It's like, man, get over yourself. How about you just act like it didn't happen? How about you just act like it's no big deal? You know, or just another day at the office. Yeah, you know. Take this kind of thing all the time. Just, just deal with it. And sometimes, but sometimes, God wants to do a work in our life to show us that He's real, or, or to show other people. And He's, and He's going to use us. And He's not going to do like the devil with the prosperity junk. He's going to do it through sufferings. We're going to go through hard times. That's how He did. In the, that's how He did it in the Bible. He did not. You know, notice the disciples. None of them were rich. Why didn't Jesus make them all just rich? Wouldn't that have got more people to follow Him? It's not how He works. It's how preachers think it is today, but it was never that way. We need to understand that when we will shake off one difficulty, guess what's going to happen many times? Another one's going to come. 
Paul walked away from that shipwreck just to get bit by a snake. But he shook that off to go stand before Caesar to go to trial. You know, I'm scared of court. I'm scared of our judge. I'm scared of our government. I don't trust them. I think if I was on, if I had just you know been in prison and I was in captivity and on my way to go stand trial and I got bit by a snake, I'd be like, good, and I'd fall over dead. <laughs> that that would be me. That would be me. That that would that would be that would probably be my attitude. But that's how it's going to be. We're going to, we're going to get through one difficulty. We're going to face another. And what when that happens, we've got to remember that on this earth, it's where we work till Jesus comes. We're going to face difficulties till Jesus comes. And heaven's when we get to have our rest. We'll get to have our rest then. We'll get to have our glory then. In the meantime, criticism's going to come. And I, and I am, I'm confident. I mean, we did, you know, there was lots of junk that was getting thrown our way this last month. And I, I believe a lot of it was because of this soul winning marathon we had coming up. You know, we're not done. We've got a soul winning conference coming up that is going, a lot of people are going to get saved at that. And a lot of people are going to get saved because of that. The devil is going to send the serpents our way. We're going to get belted in the gut big time. It, it's, we've already had several of these things and we're going to have some more. And when it comes, it's not the kind to call news conference. Say, I just want to let everybody know I got kicked in the gut again. You know, no big deal. Keep moving on. Let's keep focusing on what we know we're supposed to do. That's the, that's the example that we have in the Bible. And I think that's, I think that's what we need to do. So just learn to shake it off. Keep moving forward. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. We thank you for these great examples and these great principles we see in your word. Dear God, I pray you'll help us to, to practice these things in our life. Lord, I pray you'll help us learn to shake the dust of our feet off, Lord. Not because we're trying to curse the people, Lord, but because we're just, we're trying to forget about them. We're trying to move forward. You're going to deal with those people. You're going to deal with these things and help us to just, just trust in you and to just be confident when it comes to the things where we know it's your will that uh, we won't let anything get us sidetracked or distracted. And I pray you'll Help us be victorious in that. In your name we pray. Amen.